Well, our moms think we're funny. Hey, I'm a Comey. Hey, everybody. My name is Turk182. At least that's what I go by these days. Yeah. What happened the first 181 times? Huh? What? Turk182. What happened to the first 181 Turks? Oh, uh, but we don't talk about them. I mean, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill myself, and then you'd be working with Turk183. <laughs> asshole can't keep his mouth shut. It's like it's like the office when Creed's like, nobody messes with Creed, Bratton, and gets away with it. Last person who did disappeared, and no one ever heard from him ever again. His name was Creed Bratton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so welcome to our moms think we're funny. It's a podcast, yeah. And uh, today we are continuing on with the our, our new segment or type thing of a jigger that we've been doing, which is a. Uh, uh, you should watch or you shouldn't watch. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to take the lead on this one if you don't mind. Not sure. Okay. So the reason I'm going to take the lead on this one is because I kind of feel like this is, um, my fault. My, <laughs> I almost said my responsibility, but no, I'm going to have to say this is like my fault. Um, so. <sighs> I forget exactly what happened, but I saw like a, the trailer for the movie Rock and Rule. So Rock and Rule is an animated film, which it looks like Don Bluth, but is not not directed by him. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's due to the studio. No, it's Nirvana was the studio, so it's not Don Bluth related at all. It just very resembles that um, yeah, it, a lot. It definitely fits that style. So, uh, but it's a it's an animated movie from the '80s, and I always remember like I don't. You know, when it came out, I mean, I I wasn't aware of the movie. You know that. Anyway, um, I remember seeing it later, and I remember seeing the Marvel Comics uh, adaptation of it. Ooh, I didn't know there was a Marvel adaptation. Yeah, I think it's in a, like a like a graphic novel. Huh. Um, wow! And basically, it's it's this the uh, like stills that are you know put put together with a um, what do they call it a illustrated um, shit. I'm trying to think, so it's a um, fatmetician. I found him um, a book, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's not Bats. It's a, it's a really bad, like, horror movie from the '80s, and uh, it might be called Vampire. But anyway, anyway, they they done these these novels, but they are um, they're photo novels. Hmm. So they basically take stills from the movie. And then add like some word oh, balloons to it, or add yeah. just dialogue to it, like I've uh, seen that. like captions to it. And then give you the entire movie like that. Yeah, I've seen They that. are really hard to find, but dude, they're kind of awesome. They used to be crazy popular when I was a kid because uh, they released adaptations of all the Pixar movies that way. See, I've never seen that. I like I, This is the first one I ever saw, and I got it for him. <laughs> so, okay, so let me tell My you. first exposure to it was actually in Nintendo Power Magazine. Um, when Pokemon first started airing, they did photo novel adaptations of the first, like, six episodes. So, um, hold on. Stop. Let me watch it. Let me tell you a little bit about Fat Matician. <laughs> so, he's a guy that I met, um, at my old job, and, uh, he had to do some work for me. And, uh, when, while we were, while we were talking, um, he had, uh, so he's an IT guy, and he was working on my computer. He took me back into the IT room, um, the, uh, and, which was kind of like, 
like people was back there, but it was kind of like a guard thing. Like you don't go into the IT room. Even if you went there and you like knocked on the door and you got someone to, to answer the door, they were like, it was like you would hand them your computer and they'd be like, all right, you know, like here's a ticket and you can come back and pick your computer up later. Right. You know? Um, so I went back there. We were talking. He ended up talking to another IT person on the phone and, um, uh, like their area, uh, they, they had, um, a, to do testing on like the, 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 uh, to do testing on like the computers when they like do different things to them, mm-hmm. they would uh, have to hook them up to a, uh, sometimes to an internet connection or Wi-Fi that was outside of the network or a landline that's outside of the network. Mm-hmm. And I think the one that was outside the network was called Pretoria. <laughs> and so he was talking to somebody and he said that and he, and he, and then he just responds to the person. He's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's smiling. I think he gets it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Pretoria was like the, what Peter Griffin named his sovereign nation when he decided he was going to make his house. It was going to be its own independent country. (laughs) So prior to this though, um, there was this thing that was on our internet, well, not ours, but the internet at the time. And it was, uh, I think it was something about fraud and they had a picture like a credit card or something. And the name on the credit card for this image was Santos L. Halper. And I remember looking at that and being like, okay, who created this image? And like, this person, I, I, I never did find out who did it, but I was like, this person's <laughs> kind of cool. So again, for those of you that don't know, in an old episode of The Simpsons, uh, I can really can tell you what, what, uh, season it is, but Santa's little helper ends up getting a credit card in the mail. And, but it's made out to Santos L. Halper. Right. And then Bart starts using a credit card and, uh, because, well, it's made out to Santa's little helper and, uh, but doesn't realize that because he's signing for him, you know, obviously that, you know, he's going to have to pay for it and he buys a bunch of stuff. That's when he gets the dog Laddie, the perfect dog. And then Santa, Santa runs away. And anyway, it's so, so for someone to use that for this credit card image and do Santos L helper, I'm like, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so, so I ended up meeting that magician that way. And then we just ended up talking about some things and we, that's how I ended up meeting, um, like, um, like J.O. Yeah. And, um, um, what's his name? Um, Captain Aperture. Yeah, Aperture, Analog Aperture. So, uh, we keep calling him Captain Aperture. That was just like the role he played. But yeah, yeah and analog, in a, analog Aperture in a five-minute short film. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that's how I end up end up meeting all of them. Um, and uh, and we just we really kind of clicked on some things, but and we had this like this weird thing for the obscure. Mm-hmm. So for so like he'll randomly just text me sometimes. And we'll just like talk about some stuff. And, uh, and he, he texted me not too long ago. Um, maybe it's been maybe three weeks now. And he was like, cause, okay. I introduced him to this movie, Motorama, which I've talked to you about. Yes. And Motorama is like Good weird Lord, as yes. shit and <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, and I introduced him to that. I found a copy of El Topo uh, at FYE one day used and I, Watched the Midnight Movies documentary like a couple of uh a couple of months prior, mm-hmm. so it was still kind of on my mind. I saw this, I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I think he would enjoy this." So I bought him El Topo. I bought him like with Panther, something Panther, Midnight Panther. It was just some like really bad movie. I think they ended up they ended up uh doing a uh MC3K had done like a a watch of it. Nice. Anyway. So I just, I'll toss obscure things his way and he'll toss obscure things my way. And is, and there's like maybe 60% chance that, or 60% of the time, 
we we know like he'll toss them to my way and be like i know that mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool because it's things that most people maybe don't know um so anyway um so he he texted me the other day and he was like uh i think that motorama and highway to hell with <laughs> are both in the same universe he's like it's, it's kind of weird that around this time they made a movie about a a guy and a girl in a car. Right. And then, um, and then, uh, like one is like when he's younger, the other one's when he's more of a teenager. And I was like, and it's like, well, he's like, most of these things come in trilogies. So there's gotta be a third one. There's mm-hmm. gotta be a third guy, girl in a car movie to round that out that came out around the same time. Right. Right. And I think we found out. So I texted him. I was like, what about the Wraith with like Sherilyn Finn, Nick Cassavetes and Charlie Sheen? Hmm. Um, it's like, it's a little bit of a departure, but it is like an older movie, like the next age level up or so, um, from Highway to Hell. Right. So, so, so we, like, so we kind of do this thing back and forth with each other where we'll, it was like, okay, um, here's a, like, here's something. So I ended up buying in that book when I saw it and I was like, I just at a, a book, used bookstore and I saw this thing and I was like, and it's like maybe a hundred, 120 pages long, hmm. but it's, it's, and there may be like two panels on a page of, um, just a screenshot from the movie. And sometimes it actually has word balloons added to it. And yeah, other times yeah. it just has the like captions and it's the entire movie. And it's like, it was like so weird. That's wild. Um, and so I bought it. Like I, I do stuff like that. I'll just buy him like weird shit. Right. And I'm like, right. here's some weird stuff I bought for you. And the thing is, last time I talk him, took him something, I forgot to give him that. He loves Alice in Wonderland. And it was like a Marvel Comics Alice in Wonderland um, adaptation. Nice. A, a classic illustrated. And, and I held on to it. And I've been meaning to give it to him along with something else. And I just keep forgetting. But anyway. So, um, so uh, Rock and Rule, is, I think that it's like that. But, you know, it, they basically just took shots of the movie and then added some word balloons and stuff like that, mm-hmm. put it all together mm-hmm. as a graphic novel, as opposed to, I mean, it's a, it's a cartoon, so you wouldn't redraw that. That would just right. be weird. So I used to always see it, and it always intrigued me. And then, um, it came up through something I was looking at, and I showed it to, showed you the trailer, pulled up and showed it to you, and we're like, wow, this looks really cool. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I would want to see it since I was younger and I first heard about it, but at the time, there was no place you could see it. Right. You know? Right. Um, and, then the other day I was flipping through TV and you were, you know, coming up to do the, uh, the podcast episode, uh, recording. And, um, and I was flipping through and I was like, Oh shit, it's rock and roll. And I was like, and it's free on Amazon. I'm like, Holy shit. We can finally watch rock and roll. This is amazing. Let's watch rock and roll. So we were going to find something last night when it was like one o'clock in the morning. We were both <laughs> fading and, uh, didn't think we could had what it took to do a podcast because we weren't going to be able to make it. Um, and then little we, did we know yeah. that we would be staying up until eight o'clock that yeah. morning. <laughs> eight o'clock that morning. <laughs> yep. No, no, I'm sorry. This morning. Yeah. Eight um, o'clock this morning. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so, uh, so we watched rock and roll and we were both excited to see it and, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and now not so excited. Uh, yeah. Um, that movie was bad. It was. <sighs> <laughs> it disappointed me. And the thing, I started, I started fading real fast. And I was, and I would fade out. And the bad thing is, I'd fade out. And I didn't want to tell you I was falling asleep. Um, but I would like knock out for, I don't, I don't know how long. <laughs> and the reason I don't know how long is because the movie has these weird edits. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where normally if you have like a character is like, let's say the character is like, he's like, that's it guys. I'm going home. And he goes, I'll see you guys later. And then we might cut to a shot of them walking down the street. 
and then we'll cut to a shot of them maybe in their house uh, yeah. or, or something like that. This will go, all right, that's it, guys. Let's call it a night. And then it'll cut to them in their house. Yeah. And you feel like there's something they, in between that's missing. Yeah. So when you've got edits like that, and then I nod out for like 30 seconds, and I wake up, and now he's in his house, and I'm like, well, was I out for longer than that? Or yeah. <laughs> is it just a weird edit? Like, I don't know. Uh, See, it's weird. I was able to stay awake through the whole thing, which I, I was the one who was fading, and yesterday was uh, gym day, so typically after I hit the gym, when I sit down, I am out like a light. I saying, And just for those that are listening, four-hour our recording session for this this weekend um that is his third gym reference there for someone that <laughs> i know always always talk about hitting the gym you know <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm not one of those guys that talks about how I, mean, you know, I, I gotta get in a quick blast i gotta get, get a burn in um you know but uh but yeah i mean you know on every podcast i'm probably gonna like just mention it once that you know yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was pumping iron. I was lifting weights. I was, uh, I was getting my swole on. That's my new know. personality archetype. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be the angry artist. Now I'm just the gym bro. So they're both equally insufferable. <laughs> you you want to get a workout? Why don't you try lifting up one of the pencils, ninja? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I just I just mix my protein powder right there in the gym. You know, sometimes I just skip the water, just like dry heave the powder down. And, you know, the thing is that, uh, you know, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been doing this for so long. Now, I'm not like when these guys are just, oh, you know, like the New Year's resolution or like, oh, I put on the, put on the COVID 15 or 20. No, I've been, I've been, I've been working out consistently, you know, like putting in the time, shape my body. I want everything to be like unilateral. Uh, you know, I want it to be, you know, like, you know, what they, what they call like, 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 you know, uh, like, uh, cir- circumference, like, you know, <laughs> circumference. so yeah, you know, and, um, and so I, so it looks good. So, you know, and the thing is like, you know, you gotta like, you, you gotta wipe down the machine when you're done. Well, I don't have to, cause I don't sweat, you know, <laughs> because like, I'm, I'm not, my, my body temperature is not raising because, you know, like I've trained myself, I've honed my muscles to, to be able to get bigger and get stronger. You know, without overly exerting it to where it's I can like raise I've, my got body a, temperature will. I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got to like, I've got to exhaust myself to to do that. It's like no, it's like that's the thing when you're in tune with your body and you're perfectly in tune, like you are there, like every part of you knows that you have the exact same goal. That's how we are, man. Like my body, like I know this is like we like from my toes, man, to to like like my hair, like we all have the same goal, which is to be like the top peak performance of it like i'm talking like I, a great a there like i don't like, have hair if, if i was like if, if if i was like a choice cut of b right like <laughs> i would be i'd be like if you could have like an american kobe that's what i would be i'd be like an american kobe beef because like, my body's just that tight right and we're all we're you know we're all in sync with each other so because of that right like it's, I, it's like we all have the same goal so it, there's no sweat on me i, I don't sweat i run <laughs> eight miles a day right uh, god no so I actually, so this is my, this is actually what I do in the morning. So I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I actually drive out eight miles and then I run that home. I change, take a shower, I put on my work clothes and then I actually run back to the car and then drive to work from there. So it's actually, I'm putting in 16 miles, but I only count the first eight, you know, cause that's my actual workout. The other ones I do, that's yeah, just part of me just getting ready to go to work, you know. Why are so, you attacking me for 
I'm just gonna just put it on the record. I have eaten like shit for the past six months. <laughs> past nine months. It's been like a banana split every weekend. It's like nothing but hot dogs and shit for dinner. I try to better myself for one month. And you ridicule me for ten minutes straight on my own podcast. I would have gone 15 you interrupted me. <laughs> you know, this, this episode isn't about you, right? It's about rock and roll. Yeah, it was supposed to be. <laughs> You made this weirdly personal really fast. <laughs> so, anyway. So. <laughs> so you're saying that, that, uh, that you were working on thinking about rock and roll. <laughs> I was saying that I'm surprised I managed to stay awake through the entire thing. That's really all that was supposed oh, to be. Okay. That could have been over in one sentence if Sorry. it weren't for certain parties here. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, and you know, with me, when I'm, like, reviewing stuff, I kind of like to go with, like, the writing, the visuals, and then the overall presentation. That's Mm -hmm. kind of how I like to do that. So, um, like, the basic gist of the movie is that there's this band, um, the lead singer, his singing voice is the lead singer of Cheap Trick, which is pretty cool. And then they have a female singer who, her singing voice is the voice of Blondie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case every single time she sings, but it's definitely at least two of the songs. Well, don't forget, she wrote um, all the songs she sings. Yeah, yeah, and Cheap Trick wrote the songs that they sang. Um, mm-hmm. It's really cool. And Iggy Pop wrote the songs he sings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, it was very surprising, because I did not think that they wrote those songs. We'll get into that. And <laughs> I, I don't, I think Lou Reed wrote the songs that he sang. But, but I, sure. I write the songs the whole world sings. <laughs> um... But like the the basic gist is that there's this aging rock star named uh Mock Mock, and hey, but, but it sounds like for the longest time they're calling him Mark. Yeah. Oh hi Mock. <laughs> oh hi Mock. <laughs> you gotta do a drawing of that of Mock. <laughs> it looks like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> He, you've got to do like like a like a thing and have him there, and, then, and and it's like you know I'm going to unleash the evil spirit, and then he's like, <laughs> oh, "What the story, Ma? <laughs> oh, oh, hi, Ma! You <laughs> tell the best rock and roll stories." <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, so basically, it's made clear that he is trying to find a singer with a specific voice frequency that will help him unleash a demon. And it's never explained specifically why he wants to unleash the demon, just that he wants to make it happen, and it's just pretty much left to your interpretation as to what end that is, whether it's to give him more power, to rule the world, take over, destroy the world, whatever. We don't know. Yeah, and he's an aged rock star. Who looks like Mick Jagger. Right, who looks like Mick Jagger. Or Tommy Um, Wiseau. (laughs) uh, The the unholy child of Mick Jagger and Tommy Wiseau. Um... (laughs) And, uh, I keep telling you, Mick, I'm power by them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hot for you. I'm so hot for you. So, um, and, but like he, he's, he still has a lot of clout. So you don't get the, the impression that he's fading in the industry. Yeah. No. People are still afraid of him as far as the power he has, you know, in the industry. So like, I don't really know like what the deal is. Is it, is he making a deal because he needs more songs or, you know, I, I don't know. It it's, might it might be just like an eternal youth thing too that he's you know, it's it's not clear. It's not spelled out at all. Now apparently in the European release, it at least specifies that it's a satanic ritual, but I don't think that it goes any 
more beyond that. I don't think it actually explains it. But the basic gist is, um, the, the heroes of the story is, uh, Omar, right? Uh, Omar, oh, Angel, yeah. Dizzy and Stretch. That's the band. Wow, you remember their names? Holy yeah. shit, dude. Well, I really like Dizzy and Stretch. Um, I think they're well-written characters for the most part. Not a hundred percent, but. As Stretch is, oh, is it, no, it's Dizzy is basically like a, like a, kind of like a poor man's, uh, Shaggy. Uh, no, that's Stretch. That stretch? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like the tall, gangly one who's like really easily scared. Dizzy is like, he's got a really cool design for the time. He's like this like sort of short, stocky, like kind of chunky dude with glasses and a man bun. And it's like, it's, it's a really appealing design to me. I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, so they're, the band is kind of failing. They're having a hard time getting gigs. They're about to get kicked out of a bar that they're performing in. And they're actually auditioning. Yeah, yeah, to, to even see if they're able to perform. And he's trying to cut off their performance early. And uh, so Angel sings her song. It's like a song that she wrote for the band. And Omar has an ego issue, doesn't want her to do it. She just kind of, like, takes over. She just strikes a chord on her guitar and just starts singing it. And it pisses him off. He acts like a moody little bitch. Yeah, and because I think that's the reason... And I don't really think they say specifically, but... The reason is because, um, um, the reason is because that he knows that she's, that she's a good, uh, singer and mm-hmm. that she's a talented songwriter and that she, that they need her more than she needs them. So he tries to keep her like in a certain spot yeah, so that she yeah. doesn't become popular and then, and then run off, which she does. Yeah. At least as far as he's, he knows. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to spend too much time just recapping the movie. I'm just like right. I just want to quickly um, go over it. But yeah, so basically, Mock hears her sing. He has a computer thingy that registers that oh, this is the voice frequency that we need. So he brings her and the rest of the band over to his mansion, <clears throat> convinces her, you know, oh, this is this is what I want to have happen. I want you to sing for me, and he's trying to like keep from her that. Uh, that he's going to summon a demon. She finds out anyway, and she's like, no, screw you, buddy. And so he just kidnaps her. Well, she, he hypnotizes her. He, he kidnaps her. Well, he kidnaps her first. That's right. That's right. Um, and he takes her to to uh, Nuke York. To Nuke York, which is Nuke York. stupid. Um, <laughs> oh, and by the way, these are all anthropomorphic animals. Yeah, um, yeah. They're but, all funny animal designs. But you don't know what animals that they evolved from. It's... it's Kind of like the dogmen in, like, the Disney stuff. Like, you have, like, the goofs where, like, for instance, I know you haven't watched the, the Goofy movies, but, like, in a go- the first A Goofy movie, you have Roxanne. Nobody really knows what kind of animal she is. She, she doesn't have ears or anything. <laughs> um, and it's all just, like, skin, no fur, that, that kind of thing. It's weird. Um, so it's sort of like that. It's just, like, generic animal characters. Um, some characters have more like feline or rodent features, but it's never like specifically spelled out. But then some, once we get to the, uh, once we get to like the club scene mm-hmm. in New York, some don't really have much of a, of a animal look at all. It's, it, yeah. And, and this is all stuff that like I want to talk about when we discuss the visuals for sure. Okay. Yeah, is sorry. that like, yeah, it, there, it is kind of like an artistic thing that it, it's just a human with like a black dog nose or something. And, um, it's weird. But yeah, so basically they go to Nuke York. He manages to figure out the notes that, uh, the mock figures out the notes that he needs Angel to sing. 
um, decides that he has to go back to their hometown, which is Om Town. Om, yeah. Om, O H M. So, um, so he flies her back there, and of course, the rest of the band is just doing this chase sequence. They wind up like getting arrested. They wind up going to a club. It's a whole bunch of stuff happens. They get back. He pretty much forces her. He he captures the rest of the band and uses that as leverage to force her to sing for him. Because he's like, oh, sing for me or I'll kill your friends. So she sings. It summons the demon. The demon looks really, really cool. Yeah. And um, then due to previous hints dropped in the dialogue, they find out that both Angel and Omar need to sing together in harmony to to banish the demon back from whence it came. And uh, in the process, Mock falls down the portal right down the demon hole and um that's it <laughs> yeah so um yeah so yeah let's start with the visuals because this is an animated feature you can't really talk as much about visuals with like live action movies i mean we we talk about those sort of things frequently because of like cinematography and stuff uh, so before we do are we done talking about the plot yeah okay because i want to add one thing in here so this movie came out in the early 80s um uh, no, yeah, early 80s. Uh, when I looked it up, I think it said that it took three years. It was in production for three years. Yeah, it and started in production in 78 or 79. 78, yeah. And uh, and it, it to me, it seems like it tries hard to be heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Very hard. Because it is like a rock opera. There are a lot of moments where there's a, there's a sequence in it where they're driving to... Was it when they were driving to... They, they were going to, to the house, right? To they meet were driving him. to New York. Was, it, was that when they were driving to New York? Or mm-hmm. was it was going there to the, to the house to meet him? No, because they, they stole the police cruiser. Is that when they were going... When they had the overhead shot and they were going through the woods and everything? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they were like driving over valleys and stuff and like no, no, the road. No, b- before that, there was, there was that one where they leave the city and they drive to something. Was that when they were going after her? The only driving scene was when they stole the police cruiser. Okay. Yeah, they they steal the cruiser from the cop. No, no, no. This is the driving scene when they're going to his house. When they're driving to his house in um, Diz's car. Yeah, the, he had the he had the Volkswagen, but there wasn't a driving scene with that, was there? Yeah. Hmm. Um. Because because uh, they because they leave the city and they go up to where he is and they and like the whole sequence is like while they're showing this overhead shot of the car like winding around like you know the fallen highway. They play a song, and. It's, I'd, it's, I'd forgotten that there were two scenes like that, but yeah. And, and it's so unnecessary. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's like, it only exists just for that song to be played. And it, it was like, well, and it's, it's a really boring shot of it's them. It's definitely filler. Like, yeah. You can tell that it's filler just because they wanted to use the song. And it's not like, like the opening scene in Shining, uh, Shining, where you're <laughs> watching the car travel through, where you, where the whole point of that is to show just how isolated everything is. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's just for them to use that. And because it's an overhead shot and you're not getting anything else, it's, it's really just boring. And then you do have the one where they're driving, they're going over everything. They had the light bridge scene, which is really cool. Yeah. Yep. And all that. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that is the second driving scene. Um, so yeah, like, as far as the animation itself, by which I mean, like, the way everything moves from frame to frame, I think that's very well done. For the most part. Now, this is one of those older types of animations where you can tell that a specific character or a specific set of characters was handled by one specific animator with a team of in-betweeners. Mm-hmm. And that, that was very commonplace back in the day. Like, you would have, um, guys like Tom Bancroft, you know, he's known as a Lion King animator, but he specifically animated Child Simba and Timon. 
and his brother Tony Bancroft specifically animated Pumbaa. That's just what would happen is an animator would get assigned to a specific character, and I think that's what happened here. And that would explain why the character designs are so different from person to person. Because um, I think it's really, really plain that Omar and Angel were animated by the same person. Um, I think their character designs are the weakest out of the movie. Which I think you would tend to agree with me on that. Angel I'm okay with. Hers is alright. It's just boring. It's uninspired. Mm -hmm. Um, Omar's design is bad. His is the only design in the movie that I could say is just flat out bad. Omar, for one thing, whenever Omar is facing you, his, so when Omar, when you see the profile, his snosh to snout or whatever, it's really pronounced. Mm -hmm. It sticks out way far. Right, way too far. He actually has a really unappealing profile. When um when he turns and faces you or you you're, you're looking head on, it's gone. Like there's there's no indication of anything at all. Yeah, and they're trying to do it like a foreshortening thing, but it really doesn't come off that way. It doesn't because when you look at Angel, she has the same like foreshortened look, mm-hmm. but her snout is nowhere near as pronounced. Yeah, yeah. When she turns in profile, she looks <laughs> totally fine. So um yeah, they're like Angel's is an uninspired design. Omar's to me is just a bad design. Mm-hmm. If you can't have your character function in all three dimensions, then that's just bad art. Um, Dizzy and Stretch, I think, had some of the best designs. Um, they were appealing. They they re- like that. I think they are the reason that people think of it as a Don Bluth movie. Okay. They look very very Bluth in their character designs, and that's a good thing. That's um, that's high praise. Um, <clears throat> And you know that, and I think that, uh, like, so talking about that, there's this, there's one scene I maybe mentioned we were watching where Angel and Omar kiss, and I'm like, his snout is so big, and you know the way his <laughs> mouth is done, there's no way he could actually kiss anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, he couldn't, he couldn't drink. Um, like, if you, if any of you <laughs> ever seen the movie uh, Roxanne with Daryl Hannah and Shelley uh, Duvall and Steve Martin, um. There's a whole thing about Steve Martin. It basically is a modern day Cyrano de Bergerac, and he plays Cyrano. And there's a there's a, a scene where it shows him, well, several scenes where it shows how he has to uh, function because of his extra large nasal appendage, mm-hmm. and so he can't drink from a wine glass. You know, everything he has, he has to use a straw and that sort of thing. And when I looked at him, that was my same thought: is like you can't do. These kind of things. These are like, like normal yeah, people do. Yeah. And, but that's never taken into consideration, which means that either you're expecting people to just gloss over that or you didn't think of it or even worse, you thought of it and you just decided not to redesign him yeah. to function better in that yeah. world. I don't think they really thought of it. I just thought, I, I just think they went with, you know, what felt good in an initial sketch. And I think, this... but it's, but when, but when you have to animate that kissing scene though, mm-hmm. at some point you have to look and be like, Oh wait, this doesn't work. At that point, it falls on the in-betweeners. At that point, it's like you've drawn it. It's like, here, make it work. And that's a really hard thing. Um, when they started animating the Charlie Brown peanuts cartoons, the animators had the same problem is that Charles Schultz never drew Snoopy from certain angles. And so it's like, you know, he would hand him the strips, and it's like, well, here's Snoopy at this angle, here's Snoopy at that angle, and so they would have to draw a turnaround. He would look at it and say, well, that doesn't look right, and you're like, well, how do you want us to do it? And he's like, I don't know, I don't draw him that way. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. <I> mean... <laughs> that's one reason why the uh, the animation on the Peanuts cartoons is so choppy, because they finally just had to do away with a lot of that in-betweening just to keep it on model. That's kind of funny, uh, you know... 
and I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash Charles Schultz. I don't really know anything about him. Like I, the, I love Charles Schultz. The one thing I know about him that is a I guess a a character flaw. It's like it's a it's not a horrible like you're such a bad man. It's a character flaw that I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like you know roast him over an open fire over that. I'm like that's that's something you got to deal with, man. That's not even any of my business at all. <laughs> So, so the reason I mention that is that like saying something like, you know, like, oh, well, hey, I never drew it from that angle. So that's for you to figure out. I'm like, what? No, that's kind of an asshole thing. We're <laughs> animating your story. You want to look right, don't you? Well, then you have to help me out here, man. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, my theory is that like, I, I think that they initially drew him from the front to match with Angel. And uh, it was probably it was probably a higher up a suit up in corporate who was like, oh, well, he can't look too much like Angel in profile, so give him a longer nose. Right. It's the same thing uh, that every graphic designer is dealt with when the client's just like, can you make it pop? It's like, can you even tell me what you think that means? It's it's the same thing. So I think that's kind of what happened, is that they just kind of insisted on making the characters look different enough, and they were like, well, we, we can't make Angel look unappealing, so we're going to have to just basically sacrifice Omar on the altar of appealing suits. That's that's just my theory. Okay. Could be wrong, but I, I see a lot of stories like that in uh, animation stories. So I've got to backtrack on you for one moment because we're talking about the animation and we're talking about the character design. Mm-hmm. And I think before we can get into that, I have to... I have to... Um, I have to address something here, which is movies like this where Mock has a um has these three henchmen that work for him and mm-hmm. they're like they're like triplets. Yeah, they're all identical. And we find out they're actually maybe quadruplets. But Yeah, cuz they're sister. Right. God, she's So, yeah, and then well, I Same. I knew I knew we were going to talk about that, but so I had to get to this part first, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, is that's fine. I don't understand the thing in in movies like this where as a bad guy uh yeah. I'm going to surround myself with the most incompetent people. <laughs> With retards, yeah. So, so take for example, mom and mom's friendly robot company in Futurama. She's got her three sons, you know, and, and obviously they kind of represent different levels. So one's fairly diabolical and evil smart. Another one's just kind of like there. And then the last one is really just kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But they're her kids, and she keeps everything so close to like who she really is. She has everyone snowball that, that these are a snow job that these are the only people she can trust. Right. Unfortunately, right. And she lets them know all the time that I wish I could trust somebody else, <laughs> even even the one that does everything right. Like she still will smack him around and be like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> a and, really good example, I think, of having like the three bumbling, like triplet henchmen was Home on the Range. Okay. They were, and like, he had to have them because they were his nephews. So you have an excuse. It's not like he just decided, oh, I'm going to hire the the nearest retards. It's like, oh, this is my family. I don't have much of a choice. But they were just so well written because that was the whole thing where every time he put on a disguise, they didn't recognize him. Yeah. So they'd try to fight him. And that's like, that's so fucking funny to me. And he would like, like, they would call attention to it in like the writing where it's like, okay, who am I? Your Uncle Clem. Okay, now if I put on my glasses and my hat, who are you? <laughs> What'd you do with Uncle Clem? It's like it's so well done. It was actually, really, really I actually funny. Like Home in the Range. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so I don't understand why you have to have people like that mm-hmm. in your movie, and you have that in here. So I'm like, just think about. It. And I, I know 
when you're writing, you you sometimes don't want, don't want to always want to make everything so um, realistic. But if I'm ruling in this way, I I'm not doing it with bumble nuts here mm-hmm. and you know and the idiot bros. So <laughs> so it's like either. I'm purposely sabotaging myself or, or something. I don't like that aspect of it. Yeah. And then I think there's a lot of problems in the writing. And then, of course, that leads to the other thing that we'll get into when we talk about like the design. But I had to mention that because it doesn't. Those are elements that don't need to be done. But you you create the characters this way, so now you have to draw them and design them this way. Mm-hmm. But none of that adds anything to the story. Yeah, and again, you know, it's all different characters drawn by different teams, so that makes them look even more different. Um, Mock, his design was okay. It was not really appealing to me, but they were also trying to make him look decrepit and old, but he he was just basically just a villainous Mick Jagger. Yeah, and that was the thing with that is his... Um his mouth was too wide. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they, they over-exaggerate the mouth too much. And then we get to the scene in the end where they open the, like the closet and, um, after he's changed like headpieces, like, and yeah. then he's got, are they wigs or were they masks? Both. There were some wigs and some masks because he loses the wig during the final scene. Okay, so wigs and masks. So he's wearing a mask. Do we ever see what his real face looks like then? I don't think so. Is that even important? Uh, probably not. So then why do we have a scene where we're showing that he wears a mask that looks like his face? Like, again, none of that's explained at all. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's that's all problems within the writing. There's a lot of issues with the writing. Um, but, but uh, well, the reason I'm, I'm bringing that up is because, so you drew him with this huge mouth, and it's really unattractive, but if he has masks, then... Those masks, uh, like that, that might be a mask that he's wearing. So Probably. what does his real face look like? Is, is it even important? Why did you choose that design then if it's not even right. his real look? Right. Yeah. You could have, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's just, yeah, it's all, it's all pretty weird. There's a lot of unexplained stuff. Um, and you know, the character designs are not perfect. Now that said, and, and you know, goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, as far as just stuff moving from frame to frame, it looks great. These are clearly veteran animators who know how to make stuff move on paper. Okay. I like that. I like the way they did the backgrounds. The backgrounds were gorgeous consistently. That was consistent. Yeah. Every single scene, the backgrounds were very, very well painted. They were used with good mediums, good materials, and they were, they had depth. They were immersive. Um, that the, the scene where they are in the club trying to track down Angel, really, really well animated. Um, it's so easy to fuck something like that up. Uh, and you, you, I think you see that with a lot of Bakshi films. The Bakshi tries to do, like, um, really, really trippy dreamlike sequences, and, um, there's a really good example of that in Fritz the Cat, where, like, he's, he's trying to, like, r- superimpose rotoscoped band people, where, like, he's not even actually rotoscoping animation over top of the people, they just have, like, a rotoscope filter that makes them look sort of animated. Hmm. While Fritz is dancing in front of them, it looks really jarring. It's really, really tough to do a good, psychedelic drug trip club experience. And I think they did really, really good with that in Rock and Rule. Yeah. Now I'll tell you one that, um, and I'd have to pull it up to you and show you cause we haven't seen, we haven't, I haven't shown you the, the uh, movie yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I think it's really done, really well done in, uh, uh American pop. Oh yeah. I love American pop. I've and- seen segments of it. Um, now I know the scene where Hollywood is dancing. 
That's American Pop, right? No, I'm thinking no, of uh, Cool World. Fuck, cool World, yeah. I get those two mixed up all the time. And, and that's was, that's odd because um, they are nothing alike. <laughs> yeah, it's just because they're both boxy movies. I get like all the boxy movies overlapped and messed up in my head. But uh, but there's a really nice um, like trippy uh, club scene, and it's a it's a drug uh, infused by club scene, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's pretty wild. Which, yeah, and I mean... The, but it's well, it's well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was still trying to learn things with Fritz the Cat. Bakshi's always been very, very experimental. But yeah, like, it was a very drug-charged, very, very psychedelic scene in the club in Rock and Rule. And um, it was, you know, there was a lot of, like, sexual tension to the scene. Um, there was a lot of sexuality in, like, the art and the character design and the way everything was moving. It was, it was really well handled, I thought. Um, it was, it was interesting. I, I did get the, I did get the impression that they were, cause, you know, they're from their, wherever their small town is, and now they're in the big city, mm-hmm. and, like, it, you, there really was this kind of, like, uh, I hate using this term, but this fish out of water moment where it's like, like, we are in way over our heads. Yeah, yeah. It's like, we have no idea what we're dealing with here. Um, so yeah, and I think that pretty much, oh well, we have to talk about the biggest thing, artistically. And I know I've kind of monopolized this part of the conversation, no, but no, no, do like time. it's an animated film, you know, I'm going to be passionate about that. Um, but uh, the demon, the demon was beautifully animated. So I said during, during the movie we were watching it that my favorite thing uh, about the demon was that the demon was from another world mm-hmm. and he's animated... In a style and in a in a uh, manner to that he doesn't look like them. Like his whole like animation style is completely different. Like he he doesn't have like the like the the outline like the the character outline of that mm-hmm. others like the 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 dark liner. He has not CGI, but he's he's more I guess uh, light and. Uh, yeah, he does energy based, but he doesn't have like a black outline containing his form. Right, it's and all he, colored lines, and he's, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the black lines detailing his form either. Mm-hmm. It's it's all right colored lines, and it really made him stand out to the point that you would look at is like he looks like he doesn't belong in this world, mm-hmm. and that was immediate, and I liked that. Yeah, a lot. and he was really unsettling looking. There was a lot that they did with him visually that was scary. Yeah, the way he moved. Also was, uh, was, un- was, didn't match that, the movements of that world. Yeah. And like, there were just little things like you would see in his body, just like a swarm of like tangled souls traveling through his body. I know at one point he like morphed into a bunch of like zombified babies and then morphed back into himself. There was a lot of stuff that was very specifically designed to unsettle you. And they did a very, very good job with that. And we both said, that, you know, if we had seen this when we were kids, it would have scared us shitless. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been, that would have really scared me. It was very, very unsettling and very well done. So. And that brings up another thing. Mm-hmm. But I'll wait till you're ready for it. Well, I think that's about it. You know, visually, I think that's where the movie shines. The movie shines visually. It falls apart in the writing. And I think that's what we should talk about next. And you, my friend, are far more of a writer than I am. Uh-huh. So I think you might want to take more point on this than I do. <laughs> well, the one thing that I was going to mention is... We talked about like how that scene there with the, with the, the demon or whatever he is that comes through, um, is how he looks. And if we had seen that when we were younger, it would have scared us. Mm-hmm. And the reason I want to talk about that is because I 
we talked about this during the thing. I don't know who that movie was made for. Yeah, yeah. That's that I think is the primary uh criticism of the writing. So you've got the bumbling characters, um, which we we left one out, um, which I'm gonna bring up now. <laughs> Cinderella? Uh Cindy, their yeah, sister, yeah. yeah Cindy. <laughs> um which is um uh, you've got the bumbling guys there. So you've got this very, this very sinister guy. Cause when you, first, when they first show Mock, he is all in silhouette. Mm-hmm. He's hidden away. Even when he goes to the club and they talk, you don't really get it, get to look at him till later. And he is very evil. Yeah. I, I would say the one thing about him is that he's over exaggerated evil in some senses, but you, he never has that moment where he is, uh, like he's made the fool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he stays evil <clears throat> the entire time. Um, but then you've got some sequences where, like, some slapsticky things. But then you've got his his bodyguard guys who are so stupid that they don't even know how to pronounce like words properly. Or then they have these like weird like conversations where you you can you could easily like like stump them with things like you know you're not supposed to go outside. Well, yeah, but it being on out outside depends on which side of the door you're on. Right. So if yeah. you if you were on that side of the door, then would I be inside or would I be outside? So, yeah, it's, but the building itself is outside. Go outside and look. And right. Yeah. right. And they say so so actually I'm outside right now. I need to go there to be inside, right? And like, oh yeah. They, they're that they're kinda of, kinda of stupid. Yeah, so. And they do the same thing with Stretch and Dizzy's dialogue, which I hate because I like the characters' designs, but yeah, because like early on when they hear Mock's name Stretch is like, Mock, he's going to put a heck on us. And, right. And Stretch is like, that. that's Hex. You mean more than one? Oh, no. And it's like, oh, that's... that's I did think that was kind of funny. It's though. funny, it was yeah. Cute. It's It's but, clever, but it's juvenile. That's the thing. Right. And they don't know who the fuck they're writing for. It didn't have a place in the movie. And and you, you're watching it like, okay, so, like, who who is your audience here? Who is your audience for this movie? Because you've got this really, really evil guy, mm-hmm. um, and you've got him trying to do some really evil things. Like I said, you know, we mentioned that you mentioned that the uh, they took out the actual references to him uh, being uh, trying to doing a satanic ritual to bring this demon out. It's just a being from another world, a powerful right, being from right. another world. Um, and then in the uh, in the uh, the club scene, they took out the drug references, according to what we read. Um, no, there there were drug references in that. <laughs> well, I guess the heavy drug references. I don't think I, we saw them. Like maybe using, right? Yeah, it didn't show them using, and maybe it does in the European version. But yeah, I mean, like a guy rolls up to him with a box full of stuff. He's like, "Hey, man, what you want? I got shrooms, I got pills, I got this, I got that." He's like, he's like listing shit off. He may not specifically say that he's got like pixie dust or heroin or some shit, but it's pretty clear it, what it, all he's got. And it may be that the um that the um the characters actually like uh indulge in those. Maybe so, yeah. And then, then maybe that's what's been cut out is that they're they've indulged in um in that. So yeah, um, and that's the thing. Like all throughout the movie, you get mixed signals of what the demographic is. Mm-hmm. Is that you know you do have all this juvenile stuff, and you have like the car chase stuff that's really juvenile, and you have like the dialogue, and even things like when uh, the henchman catch Dizzy trying to escape from Mock's place, and he's like. I'll, I'll get you. My hands are lethal weapons and shit like that. And it's like, it's so, it's so 80s kids cartoon. Right. And it's not necessarily a bad thing if that's what you're trying to write, but it doesn't seem like they're trying to write that because in the same breath, you have, uh, <laughs> you have drug references, you have demon references, you have 
like threats of murder. You have nudity, you know, there's there's bear tits in the movie. It's you know, it's lines on paper. Right. If it does anything for you then But but at the same time it's like if you're if you're aiming at the kids, the whole thing is like, I don't want my kids saying that. I want them saying animated drug references, animated nudity. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and then 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 the tone and, the whole point of the movie which and is Angel and Omar have sex in the car. Right, oh, right, they're right there, and that they're going to. Yeah, they're they're in then, the process of getting ready. Right, they were in foreplay mode, and then you've got the you've got the whole themes about the with Angel and Omar, which is you know I'm holding you back because I don't want you to be successful, mm-hmm. and since these things aren't really uh, explicitly spelled out, if you're writing this for kids, they don't really get that. Like, you know, like, why won't he let her sing her songs? Why was he mad when she sang it? They, they wouldn't, she wouldn't have gotten a job if it hadn't been for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, the guy gives him the little energy ball that is a drug that seduced them, that they don't want to touch, but then as soon as they give them to him, they, they just become somewhat addicted, and then they have the yeah, whole scene in the trash can them. that they're all, they're all high on whatever it is, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, like, those scenes are in it, but then you've, and then you've got these other things, then you got Cindy, who is, <laughs> Like the her big bumbling brothers, she's very top heavy because they're all they're just like any other like brute in an animated movie. Yeah, I'm I've got really broad, wide shoulders, this big chest. It tapers down to a small waist and then spindly legs. Yeah, it, if you've seen any kind of Chuck Jones cartoon, you've seen these characters. They're they're the big guys that like get mad at Bugs Bunny. So. She is just like them, except for she's a woman in drag. Yep. So. Um. And she wears a skirt, a skirt that barely. It, there's nothing but panty flashes the whole way through. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say it barely covers, but it actually doesn't even barely cover her panties. It, it's like it's it barely doesn't cover her panties. So it's essentially a belt, right? And it the, serves little other purpose. <laughs> and the whole time this is going on, it, like you're saying, you get nothing but panty flashes, and the camera is placed at a lot of angles to where it's like right there, either at her ass mm-hmm. or it's like like low, so it's looking up, and yep. and you're getting cut. She's got huge knockers too. Yeah, she's got huge boobs, which is and, weird because there's nothing sexual about the character, and and she comes. But there's across, a lot sexual about the character, <laughs> right? She comes across very like slow, like I don't want to call her infantile, but she she comes across as Harley Quinn to me. Same voice, same demeanor. The only difference is that Harley Quinn is super hot, and I would bang her. And this chick is built like her brothers, <laughs> right? But well, the reason I was saying that like that is because there's like at times she she's like I, well, I sneak out all the time to go to the club and and to drink and do this and do that. But then she also seems very naive. Yeah, she is naive. I mean, she's clearly not an intelligent character. So it's like that's that's confusing as well. Anyway. So her character, I don't really, I don't understand the, the, like her, like we're getting all this like sexuality from like her, her look and her design, even though it's not that. And she likes to go drink, uh, go to the club and dance and drink. And now to be fair, I've seen people built like that who also equally sexualize themselves as much. So, right. But I mean, it's out there, but. I, those people aren't trying to get jobs as babysitters either, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm saying they're not made for children. You don't know much about my hometown, do you? <laughs> uh, was that life in a northern town? <laughs> um, uh, but so, so that that is just weird. And then you have this this sexualized character that just looks like your brother. So again, I guess maybe it's not to t- it's to not take away focus from Angel, but I guess, but. 
she's not designed to be that way. Plus, she's not the main character, and it's like it didn't make any sense at all. But she also like takes up a lot of room and steals a lot of scenes. So there's yeah. just there is a lot of weirdness, and I, I'll chalk that up to bad writing. That like I don't think they knew what kind of movie they wanted to do. They didn't know who they were making the movie for. And so they didn't know how to tell the story. Right. At the end of the day, if they had just known, are we doing something serious or are we doing something goofy and cartoony? And you you can do a movie in that art style, in the style of rock and roll, and you can do it dead serious. Mm-hmm. And you can do a story that's dead serious like that and still have humor. There's some really good, really serious movies out there with some really funny lines. I think that a lot of the Marvel movies have some really funny shit in them. Oh, yeah. A good yeah. example is like Avengers. And Thor Ragnarok. Is oh, God, like, yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Hold, hold on, I'm coming back. I swear I'm not doing this. It's turning around as well, you know, on its own. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's hilarious, but it's not goofy and slapsticky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the closest Thor Ragnarok ever gets to slapstick is where it's like, oh, yeah, no, he's dead. <gasps> a miracle, he's not dead. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's a little slapsticky, but it's it's I, also I, not like a main character either. <laughs> I love that. I that love was, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting there. He's like, oh, me? Oh, yeah, he's dead. And he's like, I actually stopped, stepped him in the beginning of the fight. And he's like, hey, he's alive. That's That was really funny. That, that's hilarious. But um, yeah, it's also not like goofy and oh, two hexes or whatever. Oh, here's another example, right? And with this one really is slapsticky. He goes, oh, so what are you going to do? Get help? I'm not doing get help. And it's like, come on. It's like, we love get No, you love get help. And it's like, I don't like doing get help. And then, you know, he does get help and he throws him at his brother. And then later on, when they go to fight Hella, he's like, he's like, I'm not doing get help. You know, (laughs) that's great humor. That was improv too. Really? Yeah. That that was basically just um, those two just going at it. And it played out perfectly. Uh, So... But then him, get help is him. Like I made my brother needs help, and he throws him at him. That's very slapsticky. Yeah, um, yeah, it is slapsticky. There's there are slapsticky moments in Thor, but they're just not but, juvenile. Right, that's the that's the word. It was, I was like, for. get out of here, ghost. Yeah, <laughs> he goes and kicks the wall. <laughs> right, but they're not juvenile. This movie was juvenile slapsticky yeah. and didn't really. And again, every time it happened, it took us out of the movie. We're like, okay, like wait a minute, are we being serious here? Are we not like? Are we the audience? Are we not? Uh, well, I mean, it's a cartoon, so we're the audience. But it's like, <laughs> should I be lowering my expectations? You know, like you know, like a Mad TV dating service, or should <laughs> I be keeping it where it is and expecting more from it than what I'm getting? Because either way, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be disappointed. Right. I mean, like the stakes are so high. You can't do something this juvenile and goofy, but keep the stakes this high. Where right. it's like this ancient demon who is so horrific to look at that, you know, I don't think those characters could really comprehend what they were looking at. No, they, their eyes would have bled. And yeah, <laughs> so I, I don't know. It just, uh, I, I think the writing is where the movie suffers the most. And, um, and really, I, I think that kind of bleeds into the overall presentation of, you know, the biggest problem that we see here is that they don't know what they want out of this movie. And then, so I mentioned early on that I felt this movie was, it tried really hard to be heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And I still feel it tried really hard to be heavy metal. It tried to be this animated rock opera, but heavy metal was like, we're not for, for kids. Yeah. And to prove it, here's some tits, here's some sex, 
Here's some drug references. Here's some <laughs> badass music. Oh, and by the way, here's some tits. Here's some sex. Here's some drug music. <laughs> so some badass music, some drug references. I mean, oh, and I'm going to close the movie off with some tits and some sex <laughs> and some rock music and some drug references. And a so, whole lot of murder. Right. So if you haven't gotten that by now, you know. Well, what's that? You don't like it? Grow up and toughen up a little bit, you pussy. <laughs> so... But this movie did not give me. It was like a, we we didn't. It wanted to be heavy metal, but it didn't it didn't set itself up to say this is what I am. And then the music, I didn't feel. Even though the songs were written by like Iggy Pop and Deborah Harry and uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. The uh, Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick and yeah. Lou and Lou Reed. Um, the, well, I'll just call him Mr. Cheap. So Mr. Cheap. Um, <laughs> and Lou Reed. The songs weren't memorable. They didn't really catch. Oh, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yep. That yep. was the one song that really caught me from the beginning. I was like, this song has a nice beat and it's easy to dance to. You know, yeah, it was there. And but the other ones were like they. That was like, oh. I, I will say the one with Debbie Harry and Cheap Trick at the very end was really good. That one was good. I liked that a lot. But it, I I liked it, but it didn't immediately grab me. Yeah, it wasn't something where it was like, I have to save this to my player right now, kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, for, for what it was, yeah, like, those two songs were really good. The rest were just like, huh. And, you know, at first I thought, oh, maybe it's just because, you know, again, maybe it's some suit trying to force something that isn't natural to these performers. And that was my first thought, is that it's like, you know, oh, Iggy Pop's gonna come in and say, hey, I think, you know, I think I want to take my song this direction. He's like, no, you gotta write about the joys of traveling on the open road. That's, that's what sells in this country, goddammit. Right. And so that's what I thought happened. But then we saw in the credits, it's like, oh no, all these performers wrote their own songs. And uh, I mean, I, I, I now that doesn't necessarily mean that they had complete creative freedom over it, but they wrote them. So it's like, I know you guys can do better because I follow your work. So. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we've talked about this many times. So I'm not going to go into great detail, but, you know, I love the heavy metal soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I love the heavy metal soundtrack. I even. And I'm not a I'm not a Stevie Nicks fan, as everyone knows. But I, Blue Light, uh, uh, is it Blue Light, Blue Lamp? Uh, Baby Blue. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I like that song. I do. Yeah, there's a not a, there's not a song on that soundtrack I don't like. There's some like I don't like as much as others. Like um, uh, what's it? Uh, no, I mean I was thinking maybe Heartbeat. I would say Open Arms is my least favorite song. And it's not that I don't like it, but it's a, it's a love song ballad, you know, and I'm yeah. not really, I'm not really one for those, it's but I like it. Softy like me. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I like, I like it. So that's the one that I would, I would skip over if I was going to, not because I don't like it, uh, just because like, oh no, I'm not, I don't really feel like hearing, you know, your heartbeat next to mine, um, or softly whispering into <laughs> me. Yeah. So, but, but I love that soundtrack. But from the time I saw the movie, like those songs hit, man. I mean, uh, Sammy Hagar, man, heavy metal song. Oh, when, yeah. uh, and so beautiful, so dangerous. Uh, was it so beautiful, so deadly? Uh, dangerous. Anyway, um, and, and the, 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 the all those songs and everything, like, it, they really took Mob Rules, Black Sabbath. Oh, shit, man. That's, that's my favorite Black Sabbath song. It's it is awesome. mine too. And, in that scene, it fits so well in that it's, scene. It's perfect with oh. that scene. That is like one of the best war scenes I've ever seen in any animated feature. Uh, and, uh, and it surprises me, man, when I'm listening to, uh, when I'm listening to the radio that they'll play songs sometimes from heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Like they'll play, um, 
uh crap was it the, the don felder like a uh, like heavy metal because one's taking a ride on heavy metal and mm-hmm. the other one's heavy metal yeah and, and isn't there and heavy that, metal machine as well or, or am i thinking wrong no i think it's just those two okay okay uh, but anyway so but it's the thing is like those songs like grab me when they, you hear them on the radio i'm like i'm like wow they're playing songs from heavy metal I can't say I've heard any of these songs ever before. And I really couldn't tell you what any of them really sound like. Even the one that I said that I liked, I couldn't tell you what it sounded like. Yeah. Like yeah. they didn't grab me to the point where I was like, that song really kicked. I got to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's so again, for it to be, for it to be a heavy metal kind of wannabe, it was, it was really lacking. Well, in my opinion, it's a heavy metal wannabe. Yeah. It was really lacking in some of the things that made heavy metal so strong. And I think this movie could have been stronger. Because oh, it has so much potential. The whole movie is about music, yeah. rock music, and the music. Okay, the first song that that um, that Ohm sings, mm-hmm. I was kind of digging that. Um, it it had me like right there at the cusp of I like this song. Yeah. Um, and I probably have to hear it again to be able to say, yeah, I really did like this song. But it had me. It was like I was like right there on the verge of being like, yeah, I really like this song. Um. But it never, it never pushed me over the edge. Yeah, yeah. It was alright. I didn't, yeah, there wasn't anything on the soundtrack that I hated. I'll say that much for it. But yeah, it was, it was just there. Um, I wouldn't feel like I'm missing anything if I never heard those songs again, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, overall presentation, it just, it feels like wasted opportunity to me. I would agree. Uh, it, like, there was so much potential, and I mean like Karate Kid three potential, to where this could have been something amazing. Yep, you know, like thematically, it's music. You have good character designs. You have a scary villain. You have a scary ass demon. You've got characters who could look appealing if you tweak their designs a little bit. Who are you know they've they've got good personality archetypes. You could have gone somewhere really good with this. And you had the talent working for you that if it wasn't for some suit trying to shoehorn things in a certain way, you could have had a really kick-ass soundtrack. And it just, there's, something went wrong somewhere. If that's indeed what happened. If that is. I mean, that's just my theory. But it's like, we already know that Debbie Harry and Cheap Trick do better work than yeah. this. So. And, and I, I, I like Iggy Pop. I'm not going to say I like all of his work, but I like Iggy Pop. I mean, yeah, and you know, Earth, so. and Fire. It's like, we know that these guys can do better work than what they did in this movie. So it's like, either either they just didn't give a shit and like, you know, it's it's a... It's a film, so, you know, you're going to get residuals for every movie that's sold. You want to do a good, you want to do good work on that. So I can't imagine that every single musician associated with this just didn't give a shit. And, you know, it could be that they, they wrote the songs and they did them, and, but they didn't really have maybe like a lot of time to maybe. put them together and compose them and all that kind of stuff. Well, it was I mean, in production for three years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's nothing to we, they, Maybe somewhere along the way, everything changed, you know, and they could have had issues with the rights. Yeah. And well, I was saying like, as far as like the direction of the movie goes, so like, oh, well, the song you wrote before now has a change to fit this. And it's like, okay, you know, I, all right, fine. But I'd be you, you, give, you give me very little time to work on this. I, so. I'd be interested in like reading about that and seeing like what went into the production. Why did it take three years and all that kind of thing? You know, I would be interested in that too, just because, because I, it has potential to be a good movie. I was expecting it to be a good movie. I was disappointed in a lot of aspects of it, mm-hmm. but it's still like it's 
it still had enough there to be able to say this should have been better. What happened to it that yeah. it that it wasn't better? Yeah. At what point did you lose control here? So yeah, um, I don't know. I I think that pretty well covers everything I wanted to say about it. Sorry, I kind of uh, I kind of monopolized it because. We talked about the art end of things a lot. <laughs> no, I, I think it's fine because like the, a lot of the a lot of the um, the the establishing shots and the background pictures, like, like the 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 background plates, they're beautiful, you mm-hmm. know. And and even even the the uh, the uh, the key the that that uh, swirls around that she's that her voice her yeah, her voice yeah. is gonna like unlock the thing when you see that. That's got a very, um, it, it looks very CGI or early digital effects, mm-hmm. and um, and that's really cool looking. Yeah, and a lot of stuff like that is really cool looking. So it's it should it should have worked on a lot of levels, and it didn't. And it's like, well, but you had you had everything there to be, and you weren't. Yeah. Why? Yeah, and I mean, I I think picking a lane would have helped them a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's like either figure out are you going to be kid friendly or are you going to be an adult? Either ditch the juvenile act or clean up the the more shady stuff because mm-hmm. making a straddle defense here is not a pleasurable experience. I would so, agree with that. So, yeah, I mean, like you just, you, just, you don't want to have to like be continually guessing what you're going to get out of a scene, you know? It's like, oh, am I gonna am I gonna watch these characters fuck, or am I gonna watch this guy slip on a funny banana peel and his underwear is gonna show? <laughs> like you, you, you don't want to have to be having that debate with yourself at any given point. But yeah, if I'm watching it, if I'm watching the movie and the the tone keeps shifting, it, I can't stay in it. You mm-hmm. know, you're you're taking me all over the place, and I can't stay in it. And at some point, I'm gonna stop trying to invest myself in the movie because you're not giving me a good reason to. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, uh, and I waited so long to see this movie, and then as soon as, and then when I did, I was like, "Wow, I waited this long to see this movie!" Like it, and again for something that something that didn't have a reason to be bad, you know that it's it's disappointing that it is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I feel like they could have salvaged it with with like different writing, but I don't know, man. So yeah, I don't think you, I don't think anybody would really be missing out if they skipped this movie. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and it's, it, the sad thing is, I can't even recommend the soundtrack if if the if the soundtrack's even available. Um, I can't recommend it because like, they, I didn't I didn't think that the songs were memorable enough for me to be able to say, oh yeah, you should really check out the soundtrack. You know, even if you don't watch the movie, check out that. But they, it, that wasn't even there enough for me to be able to say that. It's like you're not missing anything. It may look. Um, it, it may look like it'd be entertaining, but like, well, if nothing else, the visuals, no, even the visuals can't save this movie. And then the visuals are great in some, in a lot of part, places. And like, for example, I mentioned the light bridge. I love the scene with the light bridge. Mm-hmm. And there's a, um, they're traveling to, and they, to get to, to nukes, uh, nuke York. And, and I, I'm assuming they were on the West coast. They don't really say where they are, but yeah, there's nothing specified, but they travel across a, a canyon and as the car gets close, as a hover car, as it gets close, this beam of light like shoots across mm-hmm. from one point to the other, and they travel across that. But as the car is traveling across, the beam of light is 
is disappearing. So yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. mo- it's moving with them. So it doesn't it doesn't wait till they get all the way across before it disappears. I mean, it's just a simple thing, but the the thought put into that was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is a really nice little touch. So yeah, I mean, my recommendation, if you're interested in the art direction of it, I would look up stills from the movie. Yeah. I'd see what you can find in the way of, like, model sheets, and, you know, a lot of times you can find, like, actual background images from films and stuff like that. I highly recommend you do that. You know, you can learn a bit artistically from this, but I I don't think you need to waste an hour and a half watching it. Uh, Personally, I think, you know, if you're curious about the soundtrack, give it a listen. If you like the bands that we mentioned, give it a listen, but you're not going to hear anything that's, like, the best thing you've ever heard. You're not about to hear the best Cheap Trick song ever. You're not about to hear the best Debbie Hari song ever. It's just, like, if you're a super crazy completionist for any of the bands that we've mentioned, you know, it's like, if you have to have every single thing Earth, Wind, and Fire ever did, give it a listen and see if you like it. You know, it's not going to ruin your life if you don't, but it's... Yeah, it's just kind of whatever. It was very underwhelming. Um, yeah. So yeah, I th- I think we can safely put the stamp on that. You know, don't. if you want to, if you want to skip it, skip it. You know, yeah. you don't need to watch this. Yeah, you sh- you shouldn't watch this unless you just have some yearning, burning desire. <laughs> all right, so this has been Turk Twenty Two. You know, last uh, last time we did, we didn't like give all our like who's is and what's it's. Yeah, so- it went off the rails really quickly. <laughs> it was. Uh- it was a nutty episode, my man. So, uh, my name is Turk182, and uh, in addition to finding me here on this podcast, you can also find me on the other podcast that I do with Walt Crawler One, which is called In the Gutters. In the Gutters is a comic book podcast. We talk about all things comic books and comic book related. We do uh, st- uh, we do some of our favorite stories. We talk about our favorite artists and writers. We talk about things that are just in the realm of comics, like, you know, hey, what do you think about this thing right here? What happened in this, uh, uh, like with this storyline, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, so it's kind of cool. You can also find me on Twitter at Turk182 underscore KE. That is for Grove Entertainment. You can also find me on Instagram at, uh, Turk182 underscore KE. Um, and I think those are all the places you can find me. Sometimes I'm at cons. Um, look for a guy wearing a stupid mask. That'll be me. Um, and, uh, well, okay, look for the two guys wearing the stupid masks. That'll be me and him. So one of us will be Turk 182. Dude, you should, you should see this guy. He wears the biggest mask I've ever seen everywhere he goes, never takes it off. Uh, I'm a comb. I want to be left handed uh, Turk 182. You should try <laughs> eating more vegetables with your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a comey. Um, you can find me in my room. In my room, the light, the heat, in my, my room, room, food to eat, my room. Wait, you can't laugh when I change a word that couldn't sing the right words. See, it's why I don't do this more often. You always can't break my concentration. I mean, would you would you prefer it if I just never laughed at you? <laughs> Your stuff's funny, man. You're a talented person. Uh, but yeah, no, funny you... people's my man. <laughs> yeah, no, you can. Uh... You can uh, check me out on pretty much any social media platform at Akomi Draws. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I don't I don't upload a ton these days, but I'm getting back into it. Ah, uh, you say that, but... It is Inktober there at this time of recording. Um, I haven't... I, like, I'm, I'm keeping up with the Inktober. I'm finishing the drawings. I'm just not uploading them as quickly as I should, which is exactly what I did last year. So, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll be posting Inktober stuff intermittently throughout the month of October. So, 
this is a good time to start following me. It's, you know, it's going to be the first time in a while that people know I'm not dead. So, uh, yeah. Um, and um, I was going to say, and I've already started No Shave November because I need to start in October. That way I'll actually have something that look like some kind of like facial growth. and be like, oh, you haven't shaved. So you want to you want to take part in November? No shave November. You want to do that this this year? Oh, hell no. I don't give a shit about that. I can't stand <laughs> beards anyway. God. I mean, I don't mind a beard, but when you start getting to like sure. the, the Santa Claus ZZ top, like pie may kind of thing, I'm like, yeah, no, you can I'm grow done. that. <laughs> huh? You can grow that? No. Cause I can't. No, I can't. I want to say, I just, I don't like it. I don't I mean, like it. I think I'm legitimately not going to look any different than I do right now because I, you know, I haven't shaved in like what, 12 hours. So yeah. I'll tell you what, I, nah, when it, I, I, I will, I will not shave my legs and underarms. Um, but I can't not shave my face because you won't really know the difference. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So uh, that's us. Uh, thanks for giving us a listen, everybody. Check out some of our other stuff. We are wherever you can find podcasts. You can think it. We we're there. Podcasting. Oh, and I'm gonna put one thing out here, which is if you strongly disagree with us on rock and roll, because I know that it, being it's kind of like an animated classic. Um, but if you strongly disagree with us, I'd really like to see what it is that you like about it that we missed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just uh, just hit us up, send us some DMs or some emails or whatever. And just write, write them up on your your iPad or your Kindle and then you hit, hit send and close it down and put it back in a carrying case and shove it up your ass. I knew, I knew that's where it was going to go. I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, he did tell him to hit send this time. So I'm like, that's a start. So maybe <laughs> he's actually going to be like, yes, please communicate with us because that's how we know that we have fans. But unfortunately, you keep telling them to shove shit up their ass. And it's like, well, and I can only imagine if somebody sitting there like, when is he going to come and check this damn email? <laughs> <laughs> I have... Lubricants and amyl nitrate. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that unless you're going to get really close to the mic and clip it. Anyway, bye everybody. (laughs) Zang, yo. Oh yeah, Comey. Comey looked the way Meryl Streep's skeleton would look if it was a man and you made it walk around a party being extra nice to everyone. All right there, folks, that was Our Moms Think We're Funny. Let's, uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs>